Well, hey guys, my name is Kurt and I serve as one of the pastors here at The Bridge and I'm excited to continue our Anchored series today. We've we've been looking at the book of Colossians, which is a letter that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the people in Colossae, uh, to the Christians there, to the church there, to encourage them, uh, to build them up and, and to teach them the truth about who Jesus is and how that should impact their lives. And so if you've missed uh, weeks one, two, and three, that's okay. You can go and check those out online or you can listen to the podcast. They really are spectacular messages and, and I don't have time uh, to, to really get into those today. Uh, so I just want to encourage you to go and check those out when you have some time. On the podcast, you can even listen to them on double speed and it's good. All right. Uh, but today we're going to jump in chapter three, verses one through 17. And, and before we get there, I, wa- I want to tell you a story to just kind of set it up. Um, I have a daughter. Uh, she's 12 years old. I have a picture of her here. And this picture is um, obviously she, this was a picture when she was younger. Um, but she's awesome. She's 12. She thinks she's 17, which, you know, I know a lot of you parents can probably relate with that. Um, but but she's she's smart. Uh, she's funny. She's artistic. She's um, um, creative and she's really pretty athletic. And so she she plays soccer uh, up until this point, though, she's never played on a soccer team where she actually had to try out. OK. And so a few weeks back, we, we take her to this tryout for this new soccer team. She's going to try out to make the team. And and she was nervous about this. OK. She's never I don't think she's ever tried out for anything in her life. So this was her first experience of having to perform so people will accept her. Okay, so she goes out and it's two days of tryouts and she really does pretty good, but, but you can tell that she's nervous. I still think she did a good job. She fit in. You couldn't tell any difference between her and the girls that were already on the team. And, and so I tried to encourage her, but, but she, man, she was just nervous. She went to bed upset thinking, man, there's no way I made the team. She woke up in the mornings thinking there's no way I made the team. But, but then sure enough, we get an email that following that second um, tryout and, and she made the team. And so she's excited and I'm excited, partly because I think, well, good, she's finally going to stop being so nervous about it, stop being so anxious all the time. And, and she doesn't start practice until August. So they'll give her some time. And, and, but, but then I think she might be more anxious now than she was be, before. Right. Because now it's like, well, dad, all the girls, none of the girls are going to like me. They're going to say I was weird in tryouts because I was so nervous. Or what if I'm not good enough? What if I go out there and, and just I'm never good enough for the team and all the girls are so much better than me? What if this? What if this? What if that? And I tried to tell her, I said, look, Sophie, it's OK. Like you can relax because guess what? You already made the team. They emailed us and told us, hey, you have a spot on the team. And guess what? I paid a lot of money so you could be on that team. OK, trust me, you are already on the team. And I tell you that story because I, 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 in, in Colossians chapter three, uh, Paul goes into this. You know, Kenny asked a question last week. He, he asked us this. He said, is your life anchored in Christ? Is your life anchored in Christ? And that's an important question. And I hope you thought about it. Because if you've made the decision to trust in Jesus as your savior, if you've if you trusted in the work that he did on the cross to to save you from your sins and 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 believe that he rose from the dead to give you life. If you've surrendered your life to him, then the Bible teaches that you're on his team. Right. In, in, in the book of John, it says for those who have believed God has given the right to be called children of God. That means you're on the team. And so I want to encourage you today that, that you can take a deep breath. 
You don't have to perform to make it on the team. You didn't even have to try out like my daughter had to try out for the soccer team. You don't have to try out. He did all the work. Well, when we were sinners, he loved us first. And so I want to encourage you today. And here's where Paul comes in in chapter 3 and he says, Okay, listen, if you're on the team, there's a certain way you should live your life. And that's what chapter 3 is all about. That's what this section, verses 1 through 17, is all about. And here's the idea that Paul follows all throughout it. It's this idea that behavior follows identity. And that's the phrase I want you to hold on to. Behavior follows identity. We don't have to work. We don't have to um, perform. We don't have to behave in a certain way for God to, to love us or to earn God's love or to earn our salvation. It was freely given. Now, in response to that, we're called to live differently. We're called to live a different way. Okay, here we go. Let's jump in. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. There it is, right off the bat. He, he, he addresses your identity. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ. I put it like this, since we're in the Anchored series. I say, since you, since you are anchored to Jesus. And then here's what follows. Since you're anchored to Jesus, the first thing is to change your focus. Since you're anchored to Jesus, change your focus. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2 says this. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, your identity, here comes your behavior. He says, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You see what Paul is doing right here? He's, he's calling us to, to change our focus, to take our eyes off of, uh, uh, off of the things that are right before us, to take our eyes off of this world and to focus on Jesus and the things of his kingdom, to take our eyes and our focus off of ourselves and our own little kingdom and to be focused on God and his big kingdom. And, and he tells you the way to do that, the, the, the way to start that is to think about heavenly things. That's the phrase he uses. Think about heavenly things. You see, when we, when we start to change our minds, when we start to th uh, change what we put into our minds and what we think about, it will change our focus. It will change our desires, our, our, our um, desires and our passions and our focus. They will follow what we put into our mind. They will follow what we think about. And so that's the simple number one is, is we change our focus. We become more focused on his kingdom and less on our own world and our own little kingdom. And then next we see this. It says, since you are anchored to Jesus, we take sin seriously. We pick up in Colossians 3 again, verse 3 and 4. He says this. Here's the identity. He says, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I love that because he, he says your, your life is hidden. That's present tense. That's, that's right now. Your life is currently hidden in Christ. And he says and when Christ, who is your life, that's present tense. When Christ, who is currently your life, what is your life all about? Paul is saying make your life about Jesus. When, 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 when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you will share in all his glory. So that's your current identity is in Christ and your future identity is in Christ. That's awesome. And then he goes on with the behavior in verse 5 and 6. He says, so this, in light of that, because of that, because that's your identity, he says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. 
And then in verse 7, he slips in another identity phrase. He says, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. I love it. You're going to see this. He just keeps weaving that in. Hey, this is your identity. This is how you should behave. This is your identity. This is how you should behave. You used to, live, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. He's saying you're new. You're changed. Your life is not a part of this world anymore. He continues on in verse 8 and 9. He says, but now is the time. Now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Do not lie to each other. You see, this is how the world lives. This is what he would say is the old way of living. But the Bible teaches that in Christ we are new creations. The old has gone and the new has come and we're called to live in a newness of life. We say it when we, when we baptize people. We're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in a brand new life. And we put the shirts on them. They, they put on the new shirt. I have decided. We actually baptize them in the shirt, but whatever. It's still, it's still cool. They're wearing it, right? You see, the, the, the world lives in these, these evil desires, this sinful way, which what, what Paul is talking about. This is how we live. This is how you live before you knew Jesus. But now you're made new. And he's, so, so he's saying, get rid of those things. And listen to the language he says. He says, put it to death. Put it to death. Put that sin to death to kill it, to destroy it, to get rid of it, to mortify it. That's what he's saying. And, and, and I think the problem is a lot of times, if, if you're anything like me, uh, we tend to take our sin too lightly. Like we have this casual relationship with our sin. We don't take it seriously enough. It doesn't bother us enough. And listen, if your sin doesn't bother you, then there's a problem. Because the, if, if, if God himself, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he's going to convict you of that sin. You're not going to be comfortable in a sinful lifestyle. You're not going to be comfortable doing the things that you used to do in your old life and you used to enjoy. They're just not going to be as pleasurable as they once were. Because you're new. Your identity's changed and you're different. And so Paul says, put those things to death. Put them to death. And here's a good way you can start with that. Here, here's, a, here's a way I was thinking, like, what's a good way to, to encourage people to start with this? And, and maybe it, for you, it's to ask somebody close to you. Maybe you ask your, your spouse. Good luck with that. But maybe you ask your spouse or, or a good friend of yours that you know will be honest with you and just say, what, what, what sin do you see in my life? What sin do you see in my life? Identify it. Maybe you already know what it is. Maybe when, when I started talking about it or I said one of those words, anger and rage or sexual immorality or, or whatever it was, you immediately said, man, I struggle with that. So whatever that is, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I, I want you to identify what, what's the root of that. Okay, like, like what causes you to do that? So, so for instance, if, if uh, yours is you struggle with pornography and sexual immorality, if you struggle with those kind of things, and, and, and when you're alone by yourself on your computer or on your phone, you, you tend to, to struggle with not looking at those websites or, or, or going and, and doing that kind of thing. Then here's an idea. Don't be alone on your computer or your phone. You see, you identify where it starts and, and you get rid of that. Right? Or like if I'm, if I'm struggling with gluttony and, you know, not, not taking care of my body, then I don't need to go to the Chinese buffet every day, okay? You get rid of the things. Jesus says this, that if your right hand causes you to sin, you cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, you gouge it out. And he's not literally saying cut your, cut your arm off or gouge your eye out. What he's saying is get rid of the things that cause you to sin. So what is it for you? I, I don't know what it is for you. 
I know I have to do self-evaluation in my own life and say, what are the sins that I struggle with? And what do I maybe need to cut out of my life? What do I need to get rid of? What do, where, where in my life do I need to start taking sin a little more seriously? <clears throat> I want to encourage you to do that. Because remember, you're bought with a price. You're bought with a price. That's what the Bible teaches. Peter, Peter writes in, in, in one of his letters, he says, it, it's not with perishable things like silver and gold that you were redeemed from this empty way of living. He said, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. Our sin should bother us. And if we're anchored to Jesus, if we're, if we're new, if our identity has been changed, then we need to put our sin to death. We need to take sin seriously. Maybe, maybe for you, you could pray this prayer. And this is a simple prayer that I pray all the time. And it's just simply this. God, show me my sin and help me to see it the way you see it. God, show me my sin and help me to see it the way you see it. It's a big deal. And then, Paul, we see this transition right here in, in, in chapter uh, 3, verse 9 and 10. We see this transition. He, he's talking about taking off the old, and, and now he's going to transition to what do you put on? What do you replace that with? He talks about putting on the new. I want to read it to you. He says, um, right after the don't lie to each other, he says, For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And he, then he says this in verse 10. He says, So put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I love that phrase. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator. If you're with us week one, Kenny talked about there's two words for knowledge that are used. And one of them is to, to know something up here. Like, like you were taught it or, or you learned it in a classroom or uh, you read it in a book or, or something like that. You, you know it up here. Right, but that's not this word. That, that's not the word that was used in chapter one. That's not the word that's used right here. The word that's used right here is to know it right here, to experience it. And so what this is saying is that this is a process. It's not like you, your life is anchored in Jesus and boom, you're perfect. He's saying, no, he's, he's, this is something you, this, you're being renewed. As you, the more you know Jesus, the more you get to know Jesus, the more he changes your life. The more you start to love him, the more you start to want to do the things he's calling you to do. The more you know him, the more he will change your life. And it's not knowing him here. It's knowing him here. It's experiencing him. It's spending time with him. Spending time in God's word. Spending time praying. Spending time um, obeying. Spending time learning and getting to know him. It'll change your life. And it's a process. And before he gets into how we should live or, or how we should behave, the things that we should put on, he, he wants to remind you real quick what it's all about in verse 11. He says this, in this new life, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. He wants to remind you real quick, who is this all about? Right. The things you used to find your identity in your 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 uh, nationality or your your race or your um, religious customs or your um, um, your rank in society, your socioeconomic status, those things that you used to find identity in, those don't matter. He says this new life is all about Jesus and it's all about him living in and through you. And so he continues in this and, and I wrote it like this. It says, since you're anchored to Jesus, live like him. Since you're anchored to Jesus, live like him. 
Verses 12 through 15 say this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. There's the identity again. You're chosen. You're holy. And you're loved. You ever, you ever think about that? I don't know if you know this. But he calls you this before you ever even do anything. You didn't do anything for him to call you holy. You didn't do anything for him to say I love you. You didn't perform for that. He says I chose you. I love you. You're holy. And now he says, go act like it. Listen to what he says. He says, you must clothe yourselves to put it on, right? You must clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. When I read those words, compassionate and kindness and peace and thankful and forgiving, who's that remind you of? I know the first person he reminds me of is Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to live like him. We're called to live like him. And the cool part is he doesn't leave us on our own to do this. There's a, there's a verse in Philippians, and I know I've already read a lot of verses to you, but I'm going to read another one to you. Because when it comes to, to, to living out your faith, this is one of my favorite verses when it comes to this. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. I want you to listen to this. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Not for your salvation, but work hard since you are saved. Work hard at it. He says, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then verse 13, it says, for God is working in you. This is a beautiful promise. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I love that. And I want to challenge you with this. If, if there's no desire inside of you to live this way, if there's no desire to, to get rid of the sin in your life and to put on these, these things, these Christ-like characteristics like compassion and kindness, if, if there's no desire for your life to be marked by those things, I, I, I want to just challenge you to search your heart. Maybe your identity hasn't been changed. Maybe you've never trusted or surrendered your life to Jesus because if you have, it says right here that God, is, God will give you the desire and the power to live this out. That's a beautiful promise because he doesn't say, here, go figure it out yourself. He says, no, I come inside of you. I live inside of you. I give you the desire to live this way and the power to do it. And then we get into verse 17, and, and, and this is kind of a, a, a why. Why do we do this? Why is it important? And I wrote it like this, since you're anchored to Jesus, represent him well. In verse 17, Paul says this. He says, whatever you do or say, whatever you do or say, anything, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do or say, do it all as a representative of Jesus. What an awesome and humbling uh, privilege we have to represent the King of Kings on this world, in this world, in your home, with your family, at your workplace, in your neighborhood, with your neighbors. We have an opportunity to represent Jesus. That's why it's important how we live our lives. When people look at you, do they see Jesus? I got to be honest with you, I fail at this more often than I would want to admit. You can ask the people that know me best or 
You can ask the guys that I coach baseball with. Uh, don't ask those guys. Um, but I fail at this more often than I want. But, but I want so badly to represent Jesus because I want people to come to know him. It, other parts of scripture say, hey, you're God's ambassador and you're pleading with people. Be reconciled. Come to know God. God wants you to represent him to a lost and broken world. You know, the Olympics are coming up and this idea of representing maybe it makes me think of this story. The, the Olympics are coming up. I love the Olympics. Um, I, I love everything about it. I hope they don't get canceled. But um, they're coming up and I just love it. Right. All these nations come together and they compete. And I heard this story one time of this guy. He's a, he was an Olympic high jumper. I don't know if you've ever high jumped before. I, I tried to high jump in middle school and it, it wasn't a pretty experience. I, I'll tell you real quick, because I can, I got the microphone, but I'm, I'm, I'm swaying back and forth, right? This is middle school, okay? We're high jumping in the gym. I don't know why we were in the gym. I guess it was hot outside. The coaches didn't want to go outside or something. I'm swaying back and forth because I saw the guys on TV do that, you know, and I go to jump and, you, you know, you're supposed to jump over the bar and, and there's this mat, this nice cushiony soft mat that you land on so you don't get hurt, right? So I go and I run and jump and you're supposed to go over the bar. I don't go over the bar. I go right through the bar. And, and you're supposed to land on that mat. I don't land on the mat. I just smack right down on the hard uh, gym floor, right on my head. And so uh, I never high jumped again after that. But anyways, uh, I, really the story's not about me. It's about this guy, this Olympic high jumper. This was back in like the 60s or 70s. He's, he's high jumping and, and, and he's, a, he's a, a American. So he goes as part of the U.S. team and he goes and he high jumps. And, and during the games, he jumps five inches higher than he'd ever jumped before. Right. He didn't medal. He didn't place, you know, or anything like that. But he set a personal record, a personal best by five inches. Now, if you don't know anything about high jump, that's a big deal. Like you don't go out and just jump five inches higher than you've ever jumped before on, on any given day. That's a lot. You, you, you might be thinking five inches. That doesn't sound like that. That's a lot in, in this sport. OK, so he jumps. He, he this this incredible feat. And so he's being interviewed afterwards. And, and the reporter looks at him and says, man, how, how did you do that? How did you do that? And he paused for a second. And he looked down at his uniform and it said USA written across the chest. And he said, he looked up and he says, you know what? I've never represented something so big before. I've never represented something so big before. Listen, he, Paul is saying right here, we have an opportunity to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords by how we live our lives, by how we interact with other people. Man, what an awesome privilege. My prayer for you today, my prayer for myself is that would motivate us, that that would encourage us, that that would challenge us to take off the old self, to put on the new self and to live in that reality that we are new in Christ. We are changed. We change our focus. We take sin seriously. We live like Jesus and we represent him well. What an awesome privilege that is. What an awesome privilege that is. I pray that encourages you today. And if you don't know him, if you've never trusted in him, if you've never surrendered your life to him, I want to give you that opportunity. And it, it, it's simple. You just uh, say a prayer and it, it, there's no magic behind these words. I just re repeat it with me and, and just mean it in your heart. You just, just simply say something like this. God, God, I thank you that you love me, that you made me. And that God, that um, there's nothing I can do to earn your love. But you sent your son Jesus down to down a cross to show me that you love me. Today, in the best way I know how, I surrender my life to you. I trust in the work that Jesus did on the cross. I believe that he raised from the dead that we can have life in him. And today I surrender my life 
to him. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for the wrong that I've done in my life. Help me to turn from that to follow you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.